I was the only national leader speaking against the COVID hysteria during the COVID uh, time. And I was speaking for freedom, for freedom of choice. Uh, that was not popular at that time, but that was the right thing to do. The challenge that you have, you have a government and politicians who are working against you. But stand up and speak out for what you believe and be yourself. Believe in yourself. You know, don't wait for the government to save you. You have everything to be successful. So what I'm saying to young people, be engaged, be part of the change, be the change, express your point of view, don't cancel yourself. The more people will be engaged, the more people, the faster will have these changes. Take your place in the world, take your place in Canada and fight for what you believe and you can always count on us, we'll be with you all the time. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have a very special and exciting guest lined up for you today. Most of the time, we bring on top thought leaders in the world of business to help you be inspired and to learn how to do better in your business. But you know that we are champions for freedom, free expression, and free enterprise on this show. And we believe we're living in a time in world history and in Canadian history where those precious concepts are under assault. And so we're bringing today for you a true champion of freedom, a man who has on principle taken some steps that have cost him, but a man who I believe is uh, one of the most important figures, not just in Canada, but in the world when it comes to spreading freedom. The Honorable... Maxime Bernier, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be with you. Great to have you here. So, Mr. Bernier, uh, obviously, I know you very well, but not everyone on my show will know you well. I was watching the Super Bowl last night with my sons, and I was telling him and uh, and a couple of his friends, I'm going to be interviewing Max Bernier tomorrow. And they all looked at me and they go, who's that? I'm like, oh my God, I guess everybody doesn't know him. So I better make sure to ask him to properly introduce himself. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be Maxime Bernier? Thank you for asking. Yeah, it is important because a lot of people don't know who I am, but also don't know that the, the People's Party of Canada is a new political party that exists for the last six years. But, uh, you know, I'm a former businessman. I worked 19 years in Montreal in the financial sector. I was a VP of an insurance corporation, a VP of a bank. And um, after that, you know, in 2005, 2006, uh, I had a, a meeting, a dinner with uh, uh, Stephen Harper. He was the leader of the opposition in Canada at that time. He was looking for ideas and to for his electoral campaign of uh, 2006. And I told him, you know, I believe in a smarter government, lower taxes, more freedom, respect the constitution. And he liked that. And he asked me to run for being one of his uh, candidates. And I said, yes. So I was elected the first time in 2006. 
and I was a minister for industry after that, uh, foreign affairs minister, minister for small business and tourism. And I decided to jump into politics because I believe in freedom. I want to have, you know, fewer government, more freedom, less regulations. And I did a big telecommunication reform uh, in 2006, 2007, less regulation, more freedom. And the prices of a, a cell phone went down because of that. We had more competition. And so uh, in 2017, uh, uh, I decided to be part of the leadership contest for a new leader for the Conservative Party of Canada. As you know, uh, after the election of 2015, Harper didn't win. So we had a leadership contest in 2017. I didn't win that leadership contest with 49% uh, of the vote. Uh, and I had a strong conservative free market platform. And I tried to work at that time with the leader, elected leader, uh, Andrew Scheer. And after 15 months, Andrew was very honest and he had a meeting with him. And I wanted to ask him at that time, uh, are, are you taking some of my ideas? Uh, our ideas were very popular during the leadership contest. I had 49% of the vote for your next electoral platform, the election of 2019. And he was honest. He told me no, because our ideas were not popular with the general population. And he was uh, running now to be a prime minister of this country. So after that, I resigned and I said, uh, the Conservative Party of Canada is morally and intellectually corrupt. They are not conservative anymore. Uh, they're doing politics by survey and polling, and they don't want to fight with the real conservative free market ideas because these ideas are not popular today. We are living in a socialist era. So we created the People's Party based on four principles. Uh, individual freedom, personal responsibility, fairness, and respect. And all our policies are in line with that. And, you know, the first election, we had 1.6% of the vote. The second election for us in 2021, we had 5% of the vote. And like you may said in the beginning, I was the only national leader speaking against the COVID hysteria during the COVID uh, time. And I was speaking for freedom, for freedom of choice. Uh, that was not popular at that time, but that was the right thing to do. And now, you know, we are still working to be ready for the next election, maybe in 2025. And uh, we'll see what we'll do. But uh, this party is growing step by step. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, Andrew Scheer, I think, uh, went backward from um, the success that the Conservative Party had under Stephen Harper. And, you know, Ronald Reagan said, when he was uh, active in politics, that uh, people respond to bold colors, not pale pastels. So I think he made a big mistake. And it's one of the reasons he wasn't able to beat a very deeply unpopular Justin Trudeau. And the same with uh, the next fellow. God, what was his name? I can't even remember. O'Toole, that's it. Yeah, Aaron O'Toole, same reason. I, I uh, In uh, 2021, for the first time in my adult life, I didn't vote conservative. I voted PPC at that time. And I couldn't bring myself to vote for a guy who sounded exactly like Justin Trudeau, except I'll be like Justin, only I'm more competent. That's what he had to say. Um, so, you know, and definitely the PPC has grown its, uh, its uh, popularity, and I believe you're going to do better. But as much as I think the last two leaders of the Conservative Party were terrible. I've always liked Pierre Poilievre. In fact, I told myself in 2021, 
That's it. Never voting Tory again unless they bring Polyev into the leadership. <laughs> and, and I just, at the time, I thought they're not going to do that. They're going to do the same thing to him that they did to Max. But lo and behold, he became the leader. So my question for you is, and this is one of the, uh, maybe the tough questions, is Poiliev is different from those two guys. He seems to be more conservative. What is your take on that? And do you think that he's going to be dramatically different from um, Justin Trudeau if he winds up winning the next election? I, I know that Poiliev is a better communicator than O'Toole or Andrew Scheer, for sure. And uh, also is a more disciplined politician. Uh, you know, for him, it's all about the message and he tried to control his message. And he's saying a lot of things that conservatives uh, minded people like, but uh, the action is very different. And I believe that he will be maybe a little bit better than Trudeau, but he won't do the big reforms that we need in our country. Uh, like, for example, the immigration. Yeah, Polyev is pandering like Trudeau to the immigrants community uh, in Toronto and Vancouver. And he is not against mass immigration. Uh, you know, he thinks that we're going to build more houses and that will solve the problem. But when he's saying that, he's lying to the population because his plan is not to build more houses, is to have more big towers uh, in, uh, in big cities like in Hong Kong. And that's not a Canadian dream to have an apartment at the 55th floor and raising a family there. And, you know, we know that if you look at the data coming from Polyev himself, in a video that he did on uh, the housing crisis, he didn't speak about the immigration, the elephant in the room. So for him, he said, you know, 25 years ago, we were building about 230,000 houses, and now we are building about 240,000 house houses. So we have a problem there, yes, but the way to solve that, to be able to have a, a house or a roof for everyone, will be to build double that, about you know, 460,000 houses a year. We won't be able to do that. Polyev won't be able to do that in a year. Anyway, he does not control the regulation at the provincial level. He wants to not respect the constitution, interfering in provincial jurisdictions and municipal jurisdictions, and tell a mayor in a, a city what to do. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're responsible. So he won't be able to do that. The only solution to solve the housing crisis is, and that's under the control of the federal government, is to end mass immigration like that. You can do that tomorrow and you'll solve the crisis. So Polyev won't solve the crisis. He is like Trudeau. And I can add also that on the radical gender ideology, he is like Trudeau. He doesn't have the courage to say that there's only two sexes. He said last week, after being put in a corner by journalists, and he didn't want to say that, but he was in a position that, you know, not saying something that is evident, he will look bad. So he said a little yes about, you know, uh, stop giving puberty blockers to minors. But what is the next step? As a leader of the opposition, the next step is if, if he is really, really serious about that, is to table a bill in the House that will change the criminal code and modify the criminal code to prohibit the use of puberty blockers to minors. Walk the talk and do that, but he won't do it. For him, it's all about uh, the economy, but he doesn't have the right solution for that. So we'll see, but he's the best speaker for sure. Uh, but he's doing politics like Trudeau by looking at the polls and the focus group 
And for us, we're, we don't do that. We're speaking about the real issues, which real solutions for that. And if it's not popular, uh, we think it's okay. We're gonna mo we're gonna speak more about that issue, and it would become popular. For example, when I said that we need to end mass immigration in 2019, people, some people were saying, "Oh, you are racist," and but now they won't be able to do that six years later because I was right at that time, and I'm even more right today. So we have a vision for this country and we are not scared and we're speaking with passion and conviction about what we believe. It's a big difference with us and Poliev and the Liberals and the NDP. There's no question in my mind that uh, the PPC uh, speaks uh, more directly about issues. You don't run a focus group uh, type campaign whatsoever. No question. And the Tories have done that. There's no question about it. But I will say this, from where I sit, uh, Poiliev is uh, uh, way better than the past leaders, and I, I, I think he still does focus groups. It's obvious there's questions he doesn't want to answer, uh, and I, I, I lament that. But on a lot of the issues, uh, you know, uh, it, at the moment, it looks like the, the Tories, if the election were held in the next six months, they got a pretty good shot at winning and becoming a majority government, right? That's what all the polls seem to say. And I, I'm looking at that also. I understand that Poliev will be prime minister before me. And I understand that, you know, Poliev won't win the next election. The Liberal will lose the, the next election. The opposition is never winning. It's always the, the government that is not, is not winning. So that being said, I hope that Poliev can have a majority because, you know, a lot of conservatives are telling me, Maxime, I like your ideas, I like everything, but I want to get rid of Trudeau. So if Poliev is high in the polls, a week before the election, I'll be able to say to these conservative voters, look, you're going to get rid of Trudeau. Now you must vote for an insurance policy that Poliev will be honest and we'll, we'll, we're going to keep Poliev in the right direction. So you need us to be sure that Poliev will govern like a conservative government. And, you know, we will support Poliev when it be a conservative and we will shame him when he won't. So it's a win-win for everybody. And uh, and when he'll have his majority, I can tell you, I was with Harper in 2006. We had a minority government, 2008, a minority government, 2011, a majority government. So I said to myself at that time, OK, we'll be a real conservative government, we'll do bold reforms. But no, Harper was looking at the polls and the focus group and he wanted to have another majority. So he did nothing. What is the legacy of Stephen Harper? Zero, yet, nothing. So Poliev, I hope he'll have a majority because the next election, I don't know, maybe in 2029, I'll show to everybody, no, you had a majority and Poliev did nothing that is very important for this country. So I believe that Canadians need us to keep Poliev honest. Canadians definitely need the PPC to keep uh, to keep the Tories honest. I agree with that. One of the things that I noticed, I mean, last week you, you mentioned that uh, with respect to transgender ideology, Poliev came out against puberty blockers and in favor of parental rights. One of the things that I think the PPC has done, not just to the Conservative Party, but around the cultural conversation is you've moved the Overton window in favor of limited government, small C conservative ideas. The country, I would argue today, is the most conservative it's been in the last 15 years. And I think in no small measure because of the fact that you and the PPC are out there 
making the case for these ideas because the ideas are too strong. The left cannot challenge the ideas. All they can do is lie and dissemble and try to destroy the messenger. That's their only strategy. Absolutely. You're right about that. But when you're doing that, Canadians are not stupid. When you're doing that, they can see through that. And now they are they are seeing through that. Uh, you know, another example, I said in the beginning of the war in Ukraine, we must promote peace. And, and, and that that's the tradition of our country. We we are right now the only national political party that is for peace in Ukraine. And but Polyev and Trudeau, another example, they're they're the same about that. Polyev is okay, and Polyev is said to Trudeau, "You must give more money." We gave ten billion dollars to Ukraine. You know, a corrupt government, and so Polyev is Polyev wants to add more money. So you know, on on issues like that, you know promoting war between and, and contrast that with promoting peace. We are the only, and I'm very surprised that the NDP and the Green are promoting war also in Ukraine. We are the only one. So it's very different. When people are telling me you are splitting the vote, you know, when you split something, if you split an apple, you'll have two pieces of an apple. It's the same thing. But if you read our platform and read the conservative platform, it's very different. I gave you just three issues. It's very different. We don't, you don't spit something that is different like that. We are different, and that's why I agree with you. Our goal is not, we are doing politics for the mid and the long term. That's a big difference with the, these establishment political parties, the conservative, the liberals, the NDP, the green. They're looking at the short term. We're looking at the middle and long term with our ideas. And yes, we want to move the overturn window. And that's why we need to speak about our ideas. But for the conservative, they don't care about that. They're doing focus group. Polyev is following the public opinion. Opinion is not a leader, is a follower. And we are not following the public opinion because we believe that the public opinion has been manipulated by the radical leftists, by the leftist journalists, by the liberals. And we are there to tell the truth based on facts. That's a huge difference with us and all these establishment political parties. There's no question. And you know what you said about the NDP and the Greens is true. This is the first time the NDP has been in favor of a war that I can ever remember. It, 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 it boggles my mind. If they're not doing it for the right reasons, because I tell you this, I, I've never been a leftist, never supported a leftist in my life. Uh, but uh, there are things I admired about some uh, members of the NDP, like Jack Layton, for example, didn't agree with one of his policies, but the man loved this country. The man had beliefs. He didn't care if you agreed with him. He didn't run polls by focus group. And for that, I respected him. And he must be rolling over in his grave to see his party in favor of war. He would never support this. Never. Not for a minute. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So let me ask you this question. Do you believe that PPC can win some seats in the election if it happens this year or next? Do you think you're positioned to win your first seats? I think in our growth uh, as a movement, uh, we are there. It, it may be possible at the next election in 2025. Uh, actually, we'll have a full slate of candidates, one candidate in every riding. Uh, our goal, our, our main goal will always be to grow our percentage of the vote. Uh, and so from five, I don't know, because from 1.6 to five, we almost triple our score. So if we only double that, we're going to go from five to 10. That's the national average. But at the last election, for example, in Alberta, 
our average in Alberta was 10%. So in some uh, writings, uh, maybe, yes, some of our candidates can be elected and I will work hard to be elected. I will run in Portage Lisgar uh, in Manitoba. So uh, we'll see, but that, that will be the next step for our party to have uh, one, two or three, or I don't know how many candidates elected and pushing our ideas out there. Yeah, yeah, because in my opinion, if you had representation in parliament and then in uh, a question time, you could get up, ask these questions directly, it would be, it would be a good thing for the country. 100%. Yes, it would be it would be good. It would be good for us. But don't forget also that if we have a couple of uh, candidates elected, uh, because of the rule right now in the House of Commons, maybe I'll be able to ask a question every two weeks. Uh, so, you know, we our, our goal is to influence the Canadian politics and our ultimate goal is to be elected. But I'm looking at what the Green Party did. Uh, actually, they won the debate. You know, the Green Party, their most important policy in their platform is fighting climate change. And now you have all these establishment political parties that are having the same platform, including the conservative. They will have goal. I must admit that Polyev won't impose a carbon tax, but he will impose more regulation on businesses. He will give subsidies to the green industry. He will, he will be in line with the Paris Accord. So the Green won the debate on that. They are not in power. They are not the official opposition. So we can do the, the same thing by moving the public opinion. The one issue that I believe will do this is mass immigration. I'm telling you this. I'm an immigrant to Canada. My family escaped tyranny in Iran. I'm a Christian from Iran. We left uh, after the Islamic Revolution and Canada opened its arms to us and we're very grateful for that. But uh, you know who the biggest opponents of mass immigration are, Max? People like me. We are absolutely hardcore angry about this at a level that native-born Canadians are not. And if you really want to win the debate, you go in front of every legal immigrant uh, community and you make the case. You worked hard. You sacrificed for your families. They're going to jump up and cheer you and they're going to scream for that. That'll change votes, in my opinion. I think you have a point there because when I did my announcement on immigration uh, in 2018 before the election, uh, that was a big speech on uh, immigration, why we need to stop mass immigration. And that was uh, near Toronto. And in the crowd over there, that was, you know, immigrants. We had, you know, black people, white people, Muslim people, Christians people. And they were in line with that policy because when when they, they, they came to Canada, they had to respect some rules. They had to speak English or French. And that was tough for them. And at that time, it was a privilege to be a Canadian. And, you know, you are not able to come to Canada the first time after a year. Some had, have, had to wait a little bit longer and learn English or French. But that's not the case anymore. We have an open borders, immig mass immigration policy, and that must stop. And you're right. It's not only, you know, born Canadians uh, who are against uh, mass immigration. It's the same thing with uh, new immigrants. They came to a country and now we are destroying the social fabric of our country with mass immigration. We absolutely are. It, it is the number one issue that is a sleeper that the media doesn't want to talk about. And I'll tell you right now, in, in the United States, I believe Donald Trump will be elected president again in November. They can't even steal that election. That's how much this issue has hurt the Democrat Party. 
And I believe in Canada, it's the same. We're more polite about it, but we are just as angry. You're right. You're right. I can see that. I'm, I'm traveling across the country, uh, and I can see that our support is growing. Uh, and uh, that that will have an impact at the next election, because the choice would be clear. If the ending mass immigration is your main concern, we are your only choice. We're the only party that that is speaking about that and pushing the envelope to be sure that we're going to end that in Canada. I, I think it's a good idea to push that hard. And in my opinion, uh, the Conservative Party will eventually be forced to follow you. They, they won't, because if they don't, they're going to they're, they're gonna bleed support that they don't want to bleed. And uh, eventually, even some uh, not-so-crazy liberals will do the same. So, uh, Max, if you don't mind, I want to change the conversation a little bit. I'm very passionate about helping young men. I have two sons. One is 18. The other is about to turn 16. We live in a world that has gone mad. It demonizes men. It demonizes manhood. It demonizes young men in particular. Uh, and the left is cheerleading this. Uh, what gives me hope is that these young men, my son, his friends, they see it and they ridicule it. They laugh at it. But how do you believe we as a country can help young men and, and end this crazy, unfair demonization of young men? Yeah, it must come from people. And like, you know, I like uh, Jordan Peterson is doing a lot for that. Uh, you know, he wrote an, a, a book about it, you know, 10 Rules of Life. And, you know, it, it's uh, when you have uh, Jordan Peterson, an eminent uh, professor that is saying the same thing that you just said, uh, it is. Uh, it, people listen to it. What we must do, you know, you must not be ashamed uh, of who you are. You must be proud of who you are. And, uh, and I believe if you want to be successful as a young man, be, be yourself and don't be shy. And you'll have, you'll have support in the society for being yourself. And don't try, you know, I did an interview, uh, I think it was in 2018, uh, with a journalist from Radio Canada. And she asked me, a lady, she asked me, are you a, a feminist? And I said, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> and, 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 you know, just... Just express yourself, and if you don't, if you don't express what you believe, uh, you know we won't change a society. It's coming by fathers and, and that are speaking to their their boys and and their son. You know, be strong in life. Be a strong man. Be polite. You can be strong and being polite. Uh, it's it's going together. Hundred uh, percent agree. And uh, you know, I think uh, men like Justin Trudeau, who claim to be feminists are nothing of the sort. I believe it's a fake cover in order to ingratiate themselves with women because they think women will like them if they say they're feminists and it'll, it'll make them more attractive to women. Although I don't believe that that uh, most women are smart enough to see through that and see that this guy's just just playing a game. But uh, I appreciate that answer. But I must admit that I know it's a big challenge for younger Canadian today in this society. Uh, you know, with all the woke ideology, and if you're a, a white heterosexual man, uh, you know you're the oppressor in that society. Uh, so it's uh, the woke ideology uh, with also the the diversity, equality, and inclusion programs are destroying, you know, the nuclear family. That that's their goal, and 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 the role of the father and the role of men and and in the society. So we. We have all these leftists, woke, woke that are, you know, not helping to grow a, a, a powerful society with 
with you know men in their role and women in their role they can be you know i'm not against a woman being successful in business that's great you can do what you want but you know we need we need to as a man being out there and being responsible 100% and you know to demonize men is bad demonizing women is bad demonizing men is bad and the left is doing this to keep men and women at each other's throats because this is how they fool them into staying in power. And everything you say about woke ideology, I agree. Uh, I'll show you just really quickly. I wrote a couple of books about this with an American conservative uh, thinker. Uh, this is a book, uh, Great Patriot uh, Boycott Book, Boycott Book. This is a list of companies that are pro and anti-woke and pro-traditional values. And this is a list of companies to boycott because they're woke. So we wrote this and we went after Disney and we got the attention of Donald Trump. He endorsed it. So that was kind of fun and cool. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I should do one for Canadian companies at some point. That should be next <laughs> on the list. But uh, anyways. Um, so but just, just to let you know, I don't drink Bud Light for sure. I don't drink Bud Good for you. Good for you. Me neither. Me neither. It's good. It's funny. In the first edition of the book, we included the makers of Bud Light because they're traditionally a conservative company. But they hired this leftist person and she was in charge. And she said, oh, Bud Light, we need to change it. It's 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 old fashioned, these these advertisements. And boy, she wrecked them. They fired her within a few weeks and they're, they've been trying to repair the damage. But, uh, you know, on the whole, they tend to support conservatives. And that's important to note because they've given a lot of money to Republican candidates in the U.S. They're pro-law enforcement and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I don't drink Bud Light either. They're ter terrible, terrible messaging. They need to apologize. They haven't done that yet. They need to do that. So, Max, I'm going to ask you a question because I think every young person is going to want to hear your answer. Given all the craziness in the world, are you still hopeful for Canada and its future? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. That's why I'm in politics. But if you're asking me, can we see some changes tomorrow or the day after? No, no, it will come. It will come. And, you know, like I said, uh, everybody must, must be part of, of that change and, and you must act. So, you know, I'm looking at people who decided not to vote. We have about 40 percent of Canadians who decided not to vote at the last election. Uh, our goal is to tell these people, I understand that you don't vote because you're looking at all these politicians and you're saying they're the same. We are another option for you. Look at our platform. Come. If you like that, I hope you'll vote. So what I'm saying to young people, be engaged, be part of the change, be the change, express your point of view. Don't cancel yourself. You know, if you believe in something, Speak about it. Speak to your friends, to your family about it. The more people will be engaged, the more people, the faster will have these changes. Because, you know, it's like the COVID hysteria. All that was a lie. It was a lie. It didn't work. They told us that the vaccine was safe and effective. Now we know that it was a lie. And so, but it took us two years. But, you know, it's, it's why we need to be engaged. We need to uh, the, the mainstream media, when the mainstream media is telling you something, you know, do your own research and look at it. Be critical toward the mainstream media. Be engaged in the political debates. And yes, I'm, I believe that things will change because truth will always prevail. It's a question of time. 
and the time is on our side. Well, I appreciate you saying that because I agree with you, but it's a message people need to hear. One of the things that the left is very good at doing is de trying to demoralize us into thinking their victory is inevitable. And the truth is they're the ones who really secretly are feeling demoralized because they know once the people know the truth, they're never going to be able to, to persuade them. Interesting about what you said, about 40% of Canadians did not vote in the last election. You know, in the United States, there's a young man named uh, Charlie Kirk. He runs an organization called Turning Point USA. I, I don't know if you know of it and who he is. But what he's doing is he has taken a lot of time and energy to go and identify conservatives who don't vote. And he, he believes that with his team, they've identified four and a half million conservatives who don't vote much in the main swing states in America. And they're sending volunteers to go engage with them, to have conversations with them, to try to sign them up to vote. And I just thought to myself, wow, that would be amazing if that happened in Canada, because I think that we must have at least one or two million conservatives who don't vote. Imagine if imagine if only 500,000 of them decided to vote in the next election. That could be incredible, no? Oh, absolutely. Just for us as a political party, in the 40% of the population in Canada uh, who didn't vote, if we have half of that, we'll be at 20%, uh, you know, and we'll have a huge influence. So, so yes, that's why it, it's good to be, my goal is to be very active on social media but also it's good to be in the real life, engaging with people, having a real discussion. And when I'm traveling, that's what I'm doing, meeting Canadians, having discussion with that, deliver speeches, but not only speeches, answering Q&A at the end of me, my, my speech. I think it's important for me, you know, <laughs> it's a nice opportunity to answer the, the questions and telling them, you know, what is, what is the platform of our party? So yes, in the real life, you need to be out there, and for me also in social media to promote our ideas. Absolutely. And I think it, it, would be, it would be wise on the part of the conservative organizations in Canada, like your party, even the conservative party, to, to invest in the infrastructure to identify who those people are so they can be targeted and volunteers can go speak to them and start to engage them in this discussion. Because it's my belief that if they have hope, if they have belief, they're going to come out and they're going to vote. But you have to ask. You have to get in front of them. I really like what Charlie Kirk is doing in America. I thought it was brilliant. I, and I just thought to myself, it would be good to see that happening in Canada as well. Um, so here's the other question I have for you, uh, Max. If you were to sum up um, what you believe we as a country need in order for us to to be better than we've ever been before, to be like Reagan said, the shining city on the hill that everybody looks like. You know, paint a picture of your vision, like big picture in all the major areas for us, would you mind? Well, you quote uh, Reagan, and I, I like to quote him also when he said, uh, you know, government is the problem. Uh, and, and yes, government is the problem. When you have a big, fat government, uh, you know, you have uh, less freedom uh, and, and we need to stop that. Mm -hmm. And I think the vision that we have for this country is a smaller government in Ottawa. We are spending billions of dollars for foreign wars, for fighting climate change in Africa, uh, giving subsidies to different groups. We need to cut all that and we'll be able to balance the budget in one year. Uh, cutting foreign aid, for example. Yes, can I, our country must be there when there's a humanitarian disaster, 
uh, or environmental disaster, we must be there and help. But it's not our goal to try to rebuild every country. Uh, and so we can save a lot of money. My vision of this country is for Canadians to have more freedom, more of their own money in their own pockets. Having a government that will respect first the Charter of Rights. We, we didn't do that the last two years. Having a government that will respect our constitution, not interfere in provincial jurisdiction. We believe in people and we have faith in people. We have faith that Canadians have the opportunity, the dignity and the right to make their own decisions and determine their own destiny. They don't need to have a big fat government telling them what to do or what not to do. People must be responsible of their actions. And when you're responsible of your action, if you do a good thing, it's good for you. If you do something bad, you know, you're going to have to pay for it. That's responsibility, the basic of responsibility. So we must find that. It was part of us, but now we have a big government that is there to protect everybody. And, you know, we, we cannot afford that. We are broken as a, as a country with these huge deficits. We have the inflation and the immigration crisis and the housing crisis. But that's why for me, immigration is very important because the impact of mass immigration is everywhere. Housing, renting, healthcare, uh, social services, education. We, all these people must have an education. They will have to go to hospital. They will need healthcare. And, you know, we have huge waiting times for surgeries here in our country for born Canadians. So you add that all these newcomers that are coming every year, we need to stop that. The impact of mass immigration is huge on our Canadian society. So that's why I think it would be the first thing to, to solve. But the vision that I have for the future, it's a country that will respect Canadians, respect the Charter of Rights, respect our constitution, smaller government that will lower taxes, and, you know, a government that will be there to be sure that we can live in a free and safe society. Right now, we're, it's, it's not safe in, in big cities in our country. We need to be tougher on crimes, and we are not. So that's part of our vision. We believe in people. We don't believe in a big, fat government. We want to give our everything, all the resources for Canadians and for our country and not giving that to other foreign entities or, or the UN or the World Health Organization. Amen. Amen. You're singing to the choir, my friend. Yeah, our, our country is a sovereign country, as you know. That's why, you know, the UN and the World Economic Forum and, and all these international organizations, they must not tell us what to do. We are sovereign, and that's why we won't participate in their socialist agenda. Amen. Amen. No, brilliantly and well said, and I agree with all of that. Uh, Max, um, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the Rebel News reporter David Menzies, who I happen to know and I consider a friend, he was attempting to do a scrum interview on the side of the road with uh, Deputy Prime Minister Christian Friedland. She was ignoring him, but uh, one of her, uh, her security detail a very large, uh, strong-looking man seemed to step in front of uh, David, knock him to the wall, and then claim that he was assaulted by David and then roughly arrested him. I'm sure you've seen the video, and I, I, I saw your comments on it on social media. 
to, to me as an Iranian, that sort of thing would happen in Iran. Uh, uh, and it's one of the reasons my family fled Iran, because we, we want to be able to live in a country where the, the media tries to hold the powerful to account and it is not going to be arrested. Um, what can you say to Canadians and indeed the world uh, about this from the point of view of Max Bernier and the PPC? Because I would be very interested in hearing that. That was that was unacceptable. That was a lie from the police, the RCMP, because you're right. Uh, you know, that was the RCMP who pushed uh, uh, the journalist and he did nothing. He just was there to try to interview the minister. And we are in a free country. And, and what he did was reasonable. And, you know, if the minister didn't want to answer the question, I'm okay with that. But he must have the right to ask questions. She's elected, they are elected, and we Canadians, by with journalists, we ask the journalists to ask the question that it's a big concern for us. And um, I was, you know, not proud to be a Canadian when that happened. Not proud to be a Canadian also because after that they put him in jail for a couple of hours just to do his job as a journalist. You know, you're not supposed to see that in a free and democratic country. So that's what Trudeau did to our country. Uh, just what he did also to the freedom fighters in Ottawa when we were there with a, a peaceful uh, protest. And he tried and he said he lied about us that we were racist and xenophobe and violent. That was not the case. So that government is not respecting our basic rights and the Charter of Rights. And that was another example. That was a shame. And that clip was all over the world. And, uh, you know, it's it's the, the Canada of Justin Trudeau. I'm fighting against that. You know, journalists, if I don't, I'm ready to do an interview with a journalist from CBC or Radio Canada. But, you know, they don't want to have that discussion. I'm ready. I maybe I know that it will be a tough interview. They don't like what I'm saying, but you know, I have I'm as a leader of a national party with 5% of the vote, I must be able to debate on these national uh, uh, media about our idea, but they're so scared about the truth that they don't want to have any conversation about that. That means that we are right. And, and Menzies was right also to ask these tough questions. They uh, it's it's a shame what is happening to our country under the, the leadership of Justin Trudeau. Would you support in, in the future having some sort of, uh, of law passed by parliament that explicitly enshrines that this type of behavior uh, is not acceptable on the part of the security detail of a minister toward a journalist and that there would be some sort of legal sanction against any minister that uh, allows this to happen under their watch? Ministers must be there to be able to be free and answer the questions. And if they don't want to answer the questions, that's on them. People will judge them by their behavior. So I don't believe that we need a law. I believe that we need to respect our Charter of Rights. We don't need to always solve something by a new law, a new law. No, we have, we have the, the Constitution is there. We just need to put the right people in place people who will respect our Charter of Rights. And journalists has the right to ask questions. You know, he, he did that. You may not like it, but that was what 
what he was doing, just asking questions. Yes. You know, I don't like to uh, 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 table a new and a new legislation. We have the Charter of Rights, and that's be, that's more important than the law. You know, our Constitution is the ultimate legislation in our country. Amen. No, that's very true. My thinking was that if a RCMP officer did this and lied, that he would face a sanction and the minister would face a sanction for for allowing a member of their detail to to do this to a journalist. So they could be sued. They could be removed from their George. Menzies can do that. If you decide, I know if he, he can sue this RCMP officer and, and we'll see what will happen. It's it's all open there. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time to answer this question, because I know it's uh, it's an important one and it's a tough one. And as we look to wrap up, what would you tell our young people? What inspirational message of hope would you give those folks? as they look at the world before them, right? Believe in yourself. You know, don't wait for the government to save you. You know, you have everything to be successful. The challenge that you have, you have a government and politicians who are working against you. But, you know, stand up and speak out for what you believe and be yourself. You can count on us. We will always support Canadians and young people. And, you know, the first step that you can do is to, before voting, is to look at the platform of every political party and go on our website, peoplespartyofcanada.ca, click on platform, read our platform. It will take you 10 minutes. And so you'll know. Maybe we are right now in a very tough time. We may have a recession. Inflation is there. But you can count on us. You can count on the PPC. We are working to have a better society as soon as possible. I believe that we have the best vision for this country. For you young people in this country, I want you to be able to have a house or, or, or an, or an apartment, being able to rent an apartment and, and uh, having a family and kids. Right now, I understand it's very difficult. So that's why if we uh, uh, end the mass immigration, prices will go down for housing, for renting, that will help. So, and if we lower your taxes, you'll have more money. But we, we have a platform that is good for the country, every Canadian and young Canadian. So take your place. Take your place in the world. Take your place in Canada and fight for what you believe. And you can always count on us. We'll be with you all the time. Maxime Bernier, a real pleasure, a real honor to get to spend this time with you and uh, hear from uh, you directly, your ideas and your vision for Canada. And this episode keep doing has been what brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com. Uh, I think uh, you've already moved the Overton window. Keep moving the Overton window in the next couple years. It'll uh, only be good for Canada and only be good for the cause of freedom around the world. God bless you. Thank you very much. We'll do it. And thank you again for giving me that opportunity to speak to your viewers. Let's uh, stay in touch. Absolutely. Take care.